Hello and welcome to episode number 496 of Holy Rapid Sports. I'm your host Pete Davis for the whole show. As usual, I hope you're having a good week so far. It is Wednesday, October 12, 2022 and it looks like, oh my god, it might actually rain. It hasn't rained here in a month. Uh, but anyway, drought conditions and all that stuff at the Sandy Springs Podcast Center laundromat. Well, drought outside, not inside, because today we're drinking Ballantine Ale. Yeah, Ballantine Ale. I had a little gentleman, let's see if I can find his name here. He wrote me a whole list of stuff we can talk about, things I drank. Uh, Tom, I think Tom was the guy who did that, so I appreciate that, the new list. And we'll start with Ballantine Ale at the top of it. Always, you can follow me on Twitter at Pete Davis one uh, Write me a letter, davis one at yahoo.com. You can get a t-shirt, uh, farmhouseprintingco.com. They'll do any t-shirt you want. Great, great company down there in Sonoya, Georgia. And also, if you want to be a patron of the show, I really appreciate it. If you think the show's worth keeping on the air, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And it says, uh, just look up Holy Crap at Sports. Really do appreciate it. Uh, headlines for Wednesday, October 12th of 2022. The Braves drop a game one of the National League Divisional Series. Uh, MLB playoffs. We'll talk about the other three teams and actually six teams that played yesterday besides the Braves and the Phillies. If you're lucky enough to go to a playoff game, check out the new food they have at the ballpark. The drug death trial of a major league pitcher has found its scapegoat. At move aside Alabama and Georgia. Sports books have anointed a new favorite to win the college football title this year. Brian Harson still has a job. Oklahoma finally catches a break. A feud between coaches continues much to our enjoyment. So a lot to do in college football. Excuse me. <coughs> and let's see what else we got. Tom Brady is now joking about the flag thrown on Grady Jarrett for daring to touch him. Free Jamie Gillen. We may have another Brittany Griner situation on our hands. And for once, ESPN is not taking the side of a spoiled brat player. The Onion mocks the NHL. Who doesn't? And Pickleball is here to stay. We got Pete's tweets this day in sports history. Birthdays. Let's get started. We'll take a sip of the ale. Mm-mm. Ah, I hadn't had a Ballantine ale. I don't think ever. I Maybe once as a ute. Uh, Braves have now dug themselves a hole, losing game one of the NLDS at home to the Phillies 7-6. to If you score six runs at home with Max Fried on the mound, you have to win that game. Travis Darno and Matt Olson did their uh, best. They both homered and drove in three runs apiece. Ronald Acuna Jr. was three for four, but Fried didn't have it. He went just three and one-third innings, eight hits, three earned runs. That will not work. Nick Castellanos was the main weapon for Philadelphia, three for five, had a diving catch in the ninth. This is the best of five series. So the Bravos have to win three of the next four to have a chance to repeat as World Series champions. Now the Phils worried me coming in. I lost track of them with two weeks to go in the regular season when they were in the midst of their annual fall swoon, so it actually surprised me to see they had made the postseason. Then Bryce Harper got hot again. Three for three yesterday. And if you remember, the last time the Braves had to chase down a team that won over 100 games to win the division back in 1993 when they caught the Giants to win the West, uh, but they had nothing left for the Phillies in the playoffs. And that was a better Philly team than the one they face now. Atlanta, the only home team to lose yesterday. Game two is today, Wednesday at 4 p.m. in Truist Park. 
So the Braves lose game one at home with their ace on the mound, and the Astros nearly did the same. Future Hall of Famer Justin Verlander didn't have his regular stuff and gave up four early runs to the Mariners. The Strohs rallied to cut that lead in half, but then Verlander gave up two more runs before leaving, losing 6-2. to two. At one point, it was 7-3 to three Seattle, but Houston creeped back at home. At the bottom of the ninth, two outs, M's up 7-5. to five. Uh, Mariners manager Scott Service brings in lefty starter Robbie Ray to face lefty hitter Jordan Alvarez with two men on. Now, Jordan had already had a two-run double in the game. One pitch deposited in the right field stands, 8-7 to seven walk-off win for the Astros. Now, Seattle began the ninth with Paul Sewald pitching. He got a ground out, hit a batter, and struck out Jose Altuve to bring the Mariners an out away. But Sewald gave a two-out hit to Jeremy Pena and put runners on first and second. Uh, Service then made the pitching change, but he did not call on another reliever. He did bring in the 2021 Cy Young Award winner in the American League, Robbie Ray. He's been mostly a starter, though, his entire career, and it showed one pitch, bam. I think it was one pitch. I was reading while I was watching. So, uh, The Yankees fell behind but came back to beat the Guardians in the Bronx 4-1. to Wow, that's such a – boy, those people sitting behind home plate. Uh, I tweeted this morning about it, put it on Facebook. Those are the beautiful people. There, sitting behind home plate in Yankee Stadium. Oh my God! It, seriously, it looks like Uncle Fester, uh, who was the, the either a Yeti, Greg Popovich, or the mayor of Whoville. Um, sitting next to him, it looked like a masked riffraff from Rocky Horror, and then sitting in front of him, the ghost of Mikhail Gorbachev. I mean, usually if you watch Dodgers games, but it, it's an, basically God's waiting room, sitting behind home plate. You got Mary Hart from Entertainment Tonight. God bless her. Her and her husband still going to games, sitting in the front row. Uh, poor Don Rickles and uh, Larry King aren't there anymore, but pretty much there are several other cadavers that have been propped up. Every once in a while, you'll get a good-looking uh, trophy wife sitting down there, but it's usually a bunch of guys look like they're over 80 years old, and, and they're all leather skin. I tell you who has two good cities that you look in the crowd, and it's good-looking women, Houston and Miami. Now, there's not a lot of people in Miami, so you can see them from a long way off, but Miami has some of the best-looking crowds, I'm telling you. But the Bronx? Holy cow. And they're all dressed in black and white, and it all looks like they're all there for a, a Jewish funeral. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Not that people aren't good-looking at Jewish funerals, but it's all, with all the black and white behind there, it, you just look and you just get depressed. But anyway, uh, Yankees did win. Anthony Rizzo, Homer, Garrett Cole pitched well. Uh, former Brave Josh Donaldson, an embarrassing moment to add to his collection. He hit what he thought was a home run to the short uh, porch there in right field. But the baseball hit the top of the wall, bounced back to the right fielder, who promptly threw it to second base. Well, that guy threw the ball back to first because Donaldson had gone into his home run trot, Mr. Ego, even slapping the hand of the first base coach. The first baseman tagged Donaldson out. During replay, I thought we were going to have another Jeffrey Mayer episode. Is it Mayer or Meyer? But the umps got the call right this time. The uh, fan did not touch it. They thought they were going to blame it on the uh, Budweiser vendor there for a second. A weird moment during the game when play-by-play man Bob Costas began a segment with some scary talk about how the game almost didn't get played. Uh, he then threw it to the field reporter Lauren Shahadi, who with almost a straight face did a report on one of the dragons from HBO's House of Dragons show was hovering over the ballpark watching the game. And they're that desperate. 
I guess. Costas then assuaged the viewers of any worries that a Rodan-like creature was hovering over the stadium. If you don't know who Rodan is, he is a creature that fights Godzilla a lot. Time for some Valentine L after that. It really smacked a desperation from both baseball and uh, the uh, Game of Thrones people. Anyway, reaction was swift and ugly. TV analyst Michael McCarthy of Front Office Sports tweeted, Is TBS kidding with that ridiculous in-game promo for HBO's House of Dragons during the Yankees-Guardians game? It was not cute. It was not funny. It was lame. And the great Bob Costas played along how the mighty have fallen. Somebody else wrote, TBS Dragon promo was the single worst in-game promo I have ever seen, and I hope that the person who gave it a green light is severely reprimanded and perhaps not allowed to lead baseball broadcasts again. Uh, someone said, I know HBO pissed that they paid a lot of money for an ALDS promo spot just to see Costas and TBS absolutely tank it. I seriously bet that they were about to break news about a possible terrorist threat, drone issue, or something totally real in our current world occurred before the game. It, it, the, when, I, when he first started talking that there was a chance the game wasn't going to be played or delayed, blah, 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 I'm thinking, did some idiot leave a box somewhere uh, or, or, you know, threaten something? That's not funny. It, it wasn't funny. And, even, and I'm not saying it wasn't funny because they tried something like that. It, they didn't pull it off. And frankly, it was just desperate, smelled of desperation. In the final game in Los Angeles, the Dodgers jumped out to a lead and held on to beat the Padres 5-3. to Padres starter Mike Clevenger, impossible to watch. His gyrations and dancing on the mound before every pitch makes even Kenley Jansen's ticks look like a statue out there. Clevenger makes Michael J. Fox nervous. He had an ERA over nine this season against L.A., so he stayed true to form by quickly giving up three runs. And at that point, I just I basically quit watching. You know, it was on in the background at that point. But I'm thinking, what do you expect when you've got a guy who's got an almost 10 earned run average pitching against a team in game one? Uh, the Braves, Dodgers, Astros, Guardians, Phillies, Yankees, and Mariners all introduced delicious meal choices this week uh, for you if you're going to the game. It's all for the playoffs. The Yanks revealed a 62 bacon burger in honor of Aaron Judge. Uh, the Bronx Bombers also showed off a new pumpkin spice milkshake. I am going to retch. The Dodgers are offering fans a, something called the Lomo Saltado Fries, which are not fries at all. They're sautéed steak, bell peppers, and onions drizzled with ahi verde sauce. Sounds delicious, but it ain't a fry. Where's the potato? Uh, the Braves... Uh, brought out the Apo Taco. It's a chicken rolled in naan, it's N-A-A-N, featuring a bunch of toppings. Because Atlanta's known for its naan, or is it naan, or I don't know. I think that's an Indian dish, isn't it? Uh, a tortilla of some sort. Uh, Cleveland has a new menu loaded with all sorts of options, from nachos to hot dogs to chili to braised beef. Which brings up the musical question, what were they eating before in Cleveland? Did they just hand them Cracker Jacks? A former Angels employee has been sentenced to 22 years in federal prison yesterday for uh, getting Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs the drugs that led to his overdose death in Texas. Eric Kay, dressed in his orange jumpsuit, handcuffs, and leg shackles, did not react when U.S. District Judge Terry Means read the sentence. Kay faced at least 20 years in prison on one of the two counts. There was no reaction from Skaggs' widow and mother or members of the family, including one of his sons who read a statement on his behalf before sentencing. A bailiff had warned observers they would be removed from the court 
with any outbursts. Prosecutors presented evidence of the 48-year-old Kay making derogatory comments about Skaggs, his family, prosecutors and jurors, and phone calls and emails after he was convicted in February. A coroner's report said the 27-year-old Skaggs choked to death on his own vomit and that a toxic mix of alcohol, fentanyl, and oxycodone was in his system. So he basically pulled a Keith Moon and a John Bonham. And probably Mama Cass, too, at the same time. Anyway, college football news. Seems reports that Auburn was about to fire head coach Brian Harson this week turned out not to be true this week. Of course, if he goes into Oxford and beats Ole Miss, knocks him out of the top 10, then um, probably out of the top 25 if they lose to Auburn, uh, he'll keep his job for a little while longer. If he loses, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Nick Saban is hopeful Bryce Young is going to play Saturday in Knoxville. Game time decision. Sports books around the country have now anointed Ohio State as the new favorite to be the champ. And after two straight blowout losses, the Sooners are catching a break. Kansas will be without star quarterback Jalen Daniels. He hurt his right shoulder in last week's loss to TCU. So backup Jason Bean, Orson's son, will start Saturday when the number 19 Jayhawks visit the struggling Oklahomans. Daniels was hurt just before halftime in the loss as he was sacked by the Horned Frogs. After Alabama State head coach Eddie Robinson Jr. said that Jackson State head coach Deion Sanders was not swack, Coach Prime entered a team meeting yesterday wearing a custom-made hoodie that said, Who is swack on the front? On the back, it read, I am swack. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he's swack again next year as I sip the Ballantine Ale. Uh, what's the difference between an ale and a beer? Someone point that out to me. NFL news. Tom Brady was on the Let's Go podcast this week and was joking about the Grady Jarrett incident. Quote, it was a long hug, a long unwelcomed hug from Grady. <laughs> he was in the backfield all day. End quote. Uh, let's see. He also uh, delivered a classic callback to his now infamous tablet-breaking tirades against the Saints last year twice. Quote, what I do is throw tablets, and I didn't have one accessible at the time, he joked. Uh, he had a hell of a game, Grady did. I'll leave it at that. End quote. Uh, meanwhile, Commanders coach Ron Rivera has apologized to his quarterback, interim quarterback Carson Wentz, for comments the coach said were misconstrued on Monday regarding there is a gulf between his rebuilding team and its NFC East rivals. Carson and I had a nice conversation, so I think we're ready to roll. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what did Rivera say if you didn't hear? Uh, basically, he was asked to uh, compare his team with other teams in the division and what's the difference. Everybody else is 4-1. and one. And Rivera answered with one word, quarterback. You could actually hear the screams of Wentz outside the news conference as Rivera's bus rolled over him several times, backed up a few times. Former Washington quarterback Alex Smith called out Rivera for throwing his current signal caller under the proverbial bus. It really was low class for Ron Rivera, too. Uh, free Jamie Gillen. We may have another Brittany Griner problem on our hands, except this time it ain't Russia. It's those cold-hearted bastards in Britain. New York Giants punter Jamie Gillen did not travel back with the team from London. He remains overseas, probably in the Huskow, as he deals with a passport issue. Uh, the Giants defeated the Packers Sunday at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They were aware of the issue prior to the trip and expect Jamie back this week. They play the Ravens on Sunday, but I don't know. Gillen is nicknamed the Scottish Hammer, is a native of Inverness, Scotland, came to the U.S. as a teenager, 
uh, Gilling came here on a NATO visa with his father, whatever the hell that is, and North American Treaty Organization. I guess his father was in the military or something. Uh, that was never changed to a work visa when he entered the NFL. Oh, so he's an illegal alien. Well, deport is that. The Punter's family is pleading with the State Department to do something for their boy. At last word, he was down to just 222 pounds, existing primarily on a diet of boiled meat and cabbage. Uh, this just in. I've been handing a note. Everyone in England exists on a diet of boiled meat and cabbage, which I don't. Well, actually, the English eat a lot of boiled meat and um, potatoes. I'm not big on boiled meat unless it's roast or something like that. And that's that's not really boiled, is it? No, I have no problem with meat and potatoes, though. Their breakfasts are amazing. And the chocolate. By the way, if you say the word punter over in uh, Great Britain, it means something entirely different than what we do here. Uh, meanwhile, Raiders coach Josh McDaniels is voicing his support for his receiver, Devontae Adams, hours after a police report was taken on Adams pushing down that man at the end of the Raiders' loss to the Chiefs in Kansas City. On the way to the locker room, I think everybody has seen it by now. Uh, Adam Schefter of ESPN says that he's facing discipline from the NFL. I checked earlier. I haven't seen anything yet. Uh, McDaniels says, I support Devontae wholeheartedly as a human being. Well, who doesn't? Uh, a person, he's a great guy, it's an unfortunate situation, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the man pushed down uh, was a freelancer working for Monday Night Football. At the end of the game, he was pushed to the ground, uh, supposedly causing injury. He uh, went uh, to the hospital for treatment, uh, non-life-threatening. Uh, it's going to be uh, investigated by the Kansas City Police, and they will decide whether they will prosecute. You know, the well... If you remember anything to do with the Ray Lewis situation here in Atlanta, and that was a much worse situation, um, <clears throat> the NFL is doing their magic behind the scenes, allegedly. Uh, let's see. After, at the locker after the game, Adams apologized, so he did do that. I want to apologize to the guy. There was some guy running off the field, and he ran. He like jumped in front of me coming off the field, and I bumped into him and kind of pushed him, kind of pushed him, and he ended up on the ground. Um, do you know how many times in the five years I traveled the sidelines with the Falcons and in the tunnels and on the planes and on the tarmac that I myself or I saw others accidentally step in front of a player before, during, or after a game, win or lose, when they were mad, when they were happy? Hundreds of times. And I never once saw a player push the person over, especially shoving them hard enough to make them fall backwards, ass over tea kettle. If that guy had hit his head, who knows how bad it would have been. Now, do I think Devontae Adams wanted to hurt that guy? No. He was mad about losing, and it may have been his fault, the Raiders, because that last play, he failed miserably on his route. But imagine this if you, it's you, you're at the office, uh, any work environment. What would happen to you if you shoved a coworker so hard they fell into the floor just because you were having a bad day? So why should a pro athlete be cut slack when no one else would get that? Even Stephen A. Smith said a one-game suspension is warranted. Because it's a terrible look, it was on national television too. Jeff Saturday said suspension was too much and a hefty fine would do. Well, I say both. I said one game is fine and a hefty fine that goes to the guy, unless the guy sues him. Now we see if the victim presses charges. He was just doing his job. He was carrying a large metal pole in his left hand, maybe a camera, so he had only one hand free to catch himself. Like I said, it could have been much worse. And again, life imitates art. Just a week ago, The Onion ran a story with this headline, Offensive Coordinator Draws Up Perfect Play for Crushing Defenseless Photographer on Sideline. 
Wow, those guys are they're high fiving themselves or pushing themselves over at the Youngkin headline. Uh, let's see. His apology, Devontae's, wasn't enough for the Kansas City fans. The popular Casey Amusement Park, Worlds of Fun, has announced that Adams has been permanently banned from their park. They said even though the star receiver probably hasn't been to the park, uh, he never has the chance to now to experience some of the most popular rides, such as the Mamba roller coaster. I'm telling you right now, I'm not getting on anything with the name Mamba on it. Meanwhile, another NFL game, another quarterback sack controversy. The Chiefs not only sacked Las Vegas quarterback Derek Carr Monday night, they forced him to fumble, but the referee said the defender fell on the quarterback, so the flag was thrown. Just like on Sunday when Grady Jarrett and the Falcons were screwed by that Tom Brady no-touch zone. The NFL says it's going to look into the problem after the season. So they can change concussion protocol in one week because lawsuits could be filed, but in the sacking cases, that eh, can wait. We'll screw some more teams this year before we change it. And by the way, now we don't, not only don't know what a catch is, we don't know what a sack is either. Way to go, lawyers at the NFL. And by the way, I was watching the playoffs games yesterday, the major league games. Baseball's got to nip this in the bud. I am tired of the reviews and the, the managers going and making everybody wait while they review every effing play. And they, they sit there with the things on and, and they're like wanting to throw the flag. I'm like, don't, do not please make this like the NFL where you stop the, the action every other play. I swear to God, I've thought about doing this, getting a, a stopwatch, holding it in my hand, the next NFL game. And every time I see the flag thrown, I'm going to hit the stopwatch and I'm going to count how long it takes from the throw of the flag to when they start the next play. When they go through all the shenanigans of the referee, you know, with his guns out, you know, mass, you know, doing his little arm movements there for the camera. And, you know, hey, I'm on camera now. I'm going to flex, you know, and stuff like I'm going to do it. And I'm going to see how long they play around with the flags and the penalties as opposed to actually playing the effing game. Because, you know, an hour of NFL game, they act, well, how much action is it? It's like, like less than 15 minutes, maybe far less than that. They've done studies of it. The actual action is, is minuscule, which is why a lot of the Europeans don't like it because in soccer, they don't score a lot, but they're at, least, at least most of the time they're moving unless they're grabbing their ankles after somebody, has, a, you know, a sniper has shot them from the upper deck. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. And I am so tired of all the penalties. Every other play. It's like in the other night, they, on Monday night, who was doing it? It was Joe Buck. He goes, and another flag. And, and there's a flag. And another, it was like three straight at one point, three or four. And it's just getting so old. Now, college football is getting bad too, but it's not yet on the NFL level. But basically, it's the national football lawyers out there. And baseball's starting to get close to that, and I, I'm tired of it. Uh, do, maybe all robo arms. No, that wouldn't work. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, oh, if you've been near a tennis court recently, you know that pickleball – the older, more genteel version of tennis is everywhere these days. I say older because it's mostly older people playing. Uh, take it from me, I'm a pickle expert. But now there's a professional league. Seven-time Super Bowl champ Tom Brady and four-time tennis champion Kim Cloisters uh, will be part of an ownership group for a major league pickleball expansion team, MLP. I wonder if anyone has used the word gherkins yet for a team name. Maybe Benedict Cucumber Patch. Can be an owner. See, see what I did there? Bennett Cucumber. That joke should have died on the vine. <laughs> Where's my rim shot when I need it? God, that was as lame as that TBS House of Dragons ad. 
promo during the game. Uh, hockey news, the Onion is now mocking the start of the NHL season. Who doesn't? Here's what they had to say. With the season about to start, reporters at the Onion's downtown office had stated, this is our annual headline about hockey. So here you go, sources confirmed. The cultural presence of the National Hockey League basically requires us to do at least one headline about hockey each season. Reporters from our sports desk explained, but hockey is not so important as to necessitate any additional headlines in a calendar year. This could reportedly change should something really interesting happen, in which case you might encounter a second headline from us about hockey. But it probably won't, so most likely this is it. This is the one time this year that we invite you to think about the players skating or the goalies or whatever the award is for winning it all. If you're interested in reading more of the Onion's hockey coverage, we invite you to check back next year to read this exact same headline and story again. At press time, reports confirmed that everyone here at the Onion is glad that's over with. <laughs> On this day, uh, September, good Lord, October 12th, Halloween's like 20 days away, less. Uh, 1853, John Morrissey won a boxing title uh, when his opponent, Yankee Sullivan, left the ring after the 36th round. Was he just tired and beaten up? No. He left the ring to go into the stands and slug Morrissey's fans. He wanted, more, he wanted to fight more. Uh, 1979, Boston Celtics guard Chris Ford scored the first three-pointer in NBA history and a win over Houston at Boston Garden. It also marked the debut of a rookie named Larry Bird. Probably more important, but I don't know. Uh, who, would you have led with a three-pointer or Larry Bird? Hmm. Uh, same day, uh, future Hall of Fame forward Magic Johnson made his debut for the Lakers at the San Diego Clippers. Remember them? San Diego Clippers, they played in that horrible sports arena. I used to work across the street from there at the warehouse video and record store. And I went to one game there, and it was one of their indoor soccer league games, which is actually fun to watch, actually. And there was a former Atlanta soccer star that was coaching them. Was it Phil Woosdom or somebody? No, I don't think it was. It was somebody. I remember his name. And that, what a crap hole that place was. And I think it's still there. Someone told me it was. Uh, Lakers won the game by one. 1989, Dallas running back Herschel Walker traded from the Cowboys to the Vikings for five players and six future draft picks, including Emmitt Smith, Russell Maryland, Kevin Smith, and Darren Woodson. Uh, they basically built the Cowboys uh, four Super Bowl rings in the next few years on that one trade. Herschel, of course, uh, the next uh, senator from the state of Georgia. 1991, boxer Hector Camacho arrested for driving while getting oral sex. Who among us? Show of hands. Uh, birthdays. In fact, I tell you what, driving up Peachtree Industrial right before the Jimmy... Anyway, uh, birthdays. 1874, Jimmy Burke, third baseman for the Pirates, uh, coach in the World Series, 1932 for the Yankees. They won. He also managed the Cardinals. Born in St. Louis, died in 1942. 1905, Rick uh, Farrell, Hall of Fame catcher, eight-time All-Star for the Red Sox and Senators. His uh, brother was a good pitcher. Uh, born in Durham, North Carolina, he died in 1995. 1906, Joe Cronin, Hall of Fame shortstop, seven-time All-Star, also managed the Red Sox and Senators. He was the American League president from 1959 to 73. Born in San Francisco, died in 1984. 1910, this one's for you Yankees fans, Bob Shepard, PA announcer. From 1951 to 2007, and now, 
Number nine. No, no, sir. He also did the New York Giants from 1956 to 2006. Well, he was the PA announcer. He wasn't actually doing the players. Uh, Bob Shepard, born in Richmond Hill, New York. He died 12 years ago. Uh, 1921, Jaroslav Drobny, Czech ice hockey player, uh, won the Olympic silver medal in 1948 and was also a tennis player. He won Wimbledon in 1954, won the French Open in 51 and 52. Find somebody, a hockey player these days that could also win Wimbledon. Wow. Uh, He was born in Prague, Czech Republic, died in 2001. Good grief, that's 80, that's good long. Also the same day, 1921, Les Horvath was born, Hall of Fame, uh, College Hall of Fame quarterback and halfback, won the Heisman Trophy in 1944, the first Buckeye player to win the award, also national championship for Ohio State in 1942, born in South Bend, Indiana, and he went to Ohio State. Uh, he died in 1995. Take a sip of the Ballantine here as we come down to the uh, stretch run. In fact, Hmm. Oh. oh, okay. Who else we got here? Birthdays. 1932, Ned Jarrett, uh, American race car driver and announcer, had 50 grand national victories, born in Conover, North Carolina. Also on this date, October 12th, uh, 1940, Glenn Beckert, have his baseball card. Second baseman, an all-star in the 60s and 70s, gold glover in 68 for the Cubs. Him and Don Kessinger were pretty damn good double play uh, tandem there for a while. He was born in Pittsburgh. He died a couple years ago. 1965, Chris Chandler, uh, first uh, quarterback to get the Falcons to a Super Bowl. Played for the Houston Oilers and Falcons uh, out of Everett, Washington. He was a strange cat, but he was a pretty good NFL quarterback. And Dan Reeves got the most out of him. 1968, Leon Lett, uh, defensive tackle and coach with the Cowboys, born in Mobile, Alabama, will forever be remembered for that Thanksgiving day. I remember sitting out uh, watching it with my dad and brother and a few other people watching. Remember the snow game? Was that in Dallas where they had the open roof, you know, that, that, that square cut in the roof where uh, Jerry Jones says God could watch his team? And uh, I think it snowed in there. And there was a, they're playing the Dolphins, weren't they? And there was a fumble or something, or a kick or a field goal or something, some attempt where the ball's bouncing around the goal line. And all they had to do was leave it alone. The Dolphins are standing around looking at it. And Leon Lett comes sliding in from nowhere, sliding in the snow, tries to grab the ball, and basically, I think, forces it into the end zone or out of the end zone or something. It was just a, just a stupid play. But it's funny to look back now, 400-pound guy sliding through the snow. 1970, Charlie Ward was born, played for the Knickerbockers. He's a College Football Hall of Fame quarterback, Heisman Trophy in 93 for the Seminoles, born in Tallahassee. And in 1977, Bodie Miller, Alpine ski racer, won Olympic gold in 2010, born in Easton, New Hampshire. Dead people on October 12, 1967, Nathaniel Nat Pendleton was an American wrestler, uh, won a silver medal in the Olympics of 1920, but also known as an actor. You'll see him in all the, well, some of the Thin Man movies with William Powell and Myrna Loy. I think he played the New York City Policeman Guild. And all these years, I thought his name was Gill, but I think his name is Guild in the movies. He was also in Reckless. He was in a lot of movies back in the 30s and the 40s. He died of a heart attack. He was 72. 1969, we lost Sonia Henney. So- Sonia 
Henny, Norwegian skater, at one point maybe the most uh, well-known person in the world. Uh, won Olympic gold in 1928, 32, and 36. She was an actress in the movies like My Lucky Star. Died from leukemia. She was, she was just 57, but there was a time back in the 20s and 30s where everyone in the world that knew anything about uh, the Olympics or movies uh, knew Sonia Henney. 19, she was kind of like, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think who, who she'd be like today. She'd be like a Kim Kardashian, but as an athlete, something like that. Uh, 1996, Renee Lacoste, French tennis player, seven Grand Slam titles. Also started Lacoste clothing. You know, the little alligator. Is it an alligator or a crocodile? Everybody wore those back in the 70s. He died of heart failure. He was 92. 1999, Wilt Chamberlain died. Hall of Fame center for both uh, college and the pros. Four-time NBA MVP. 13-time All-Star. Won the championship in 67 and 72. Uh, Let's see. He was also MVP in 72. Played for the Philadelphia and San Francisco Warriors, the 76ers, and the Lakers. He died of heart failure at 63. And uh, I actually got to... um, I actually got to uh, see him play uh, back when the Hawks were playing in Alexander Memorial Coliseum. It was the first major league professional sport uh, we went to even before a Braves game. We went and saw the Hawks play. And I have a ticket stub somewhere. The Lakers either tied or beat the NBA record for most consecutive games won. It was like 33 or something. And they did it against the Hawks, either tied it or surpassed it. And I've got that somewhere. But I, I saw him play. And Jerry West, I just missed Elgin Baylor, I think. And Gail Goodrich, I mean, that was, was it Happy Harrison on that team too? But it was a great team. Uh, and the Hawks had a really good team at the time too. 2003, Bill Shoemaker, Racing Hall of Fame jockey, over 8,800 victories. Won the Kentucky Derby in 1955, 59, 65, and 86. Died of natural causes, he was 72 degrees now he's 72 years old all right let's do a little pete's tweets (laughs) here's interesting uh every morning we exchange uh text between kimmer and flounder and me about what we're going to talk about and uh i one of my topics was heckle and jekyll are real there's two birds out there who basically are acting like the old cartoon heckle and jekyll which I don't think are politically correct anymore from Dumbo or whatever. I think they didn't they edit them out of the movie because it's kind of racist or something. But anyway, uh, and I put that on there, Heckle and Jekyll, and Flounder goes, Heckle? He had no idea who Heckle and Jekyll were. And Kimmer is mansplaining to him. Uh, he said, old Heckle, Heckle cartoon show banned. Huh. Anyway, uh, let's see. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, we were doing Pete's tweets. Uh, okay, so so I'm watching the game Monday night. I've always, I'll, I'll admit, I kind of lied to the guy. I've always liked the Raiders. I've always liked the Chiefs especially. I don't know why. I've always liked those two teams. So I'm watching the game, but I'm not really watching it that closely. But then the, the sack controversy and all that came out. So with the Grady Jarrett thing the day before, I just happened to say, here we go again. Uh, the Chiefs just got screwed on a quarterback sack that wasn't. Well, thin-skinned Raiders fan, <laughs> who would be eaten alive in the black hole if he was still in Oakland, uh, thin-skinned Raiders fan, trying to imitate thin-skinned Auburn, Alabama, and Yankees fan, 
uh, immediately attacked me on Twitter saying, oh, there's always got to be a crybaby. Just wait to the second half. Well, yeah, I did wait to the second half, and the Chiefs uh, won because your coach is an idiot. Both, both coaches doing stupid analytic things at the end that almost cost both of them the game, but it did cost Las Vegas the game. We won't get too far into that. But uh, so the Raiders fans, so I, I basically bit his head off because I've had it with thin skin fans out there. It's like, dude, I don't give two shits about either one of your teams. I lied. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying something because there was a sack controversy yesterday. And then I said some other bad things at him. Oh, yeah, I said, this is funny coming from a fan base that literally has been on Twitter the last hour whining and bitching that they haven't got a call since the Nixon administration. And, uh, in fact, I've got one here right now. Uh, somebody, Murph, uh, had a picture of Ken Stabler, the late, great Ken Stabler, flipping the bird, saying, you won't hear one single Raiders fan ever apologize for getting a favorable call. We've been getting bones since the 60s. Now, to be fair, the NFL has had it out for the Raiders. Uh, tuck roll. And tuck roll. What was that all about? Tom Brady. The, the Patriots' dynasty would have been a little shorter had the Raiders won that game, which they should have, in the snow. That was BS call right there. Uh, someone, uh, Lisa, put out a really great meme. Uh, no matter how hard Giselle tried, she could never treat Tom as good as the refs do. <laughs> uh, what else we got here? Here's a meme. Somebody took a photo of Buck Showalter, the Mets manager, who will be back next year, him and the GM. And uh, they got a Karen wig on him. You know, Karen, I want to speak to the manager. When your squad is getting mowed down in an elimination game by a team you looked past, and it's got Buck saying, I'd like to speak to the umpire. <laughs> Jeff Lear put that out. Good good one, Jeff. What else we got? I don't know uh, oh, uh, if you want to send something, uh, if you don't want to use PayPal or Patreon, and you want to send something to either my show or the Kimmer show, here's uh, what you can do. The Kimmer has now gone out and got him a P.O. box. That's right. The Kimmer will be about a P.O. box, 1432, that's 1432, Alpharetta, Georgia, 30009. Uh, and if you have a check, make it out to either Pete Davis, <laughs> Uh, for this show or Kemmer Media, but I appreciate that. So he has a P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1432, Alpharetta 30009. Uh, the little bastards at Little Debbie have come up. Remember, you know, every Christmas they have those Christmas tree cake things. They're delicious. They now come up with Christmas tree cake ice cream. Uh, uh, let's see who else we got here. Oh, sad news last. I saw this last night. Uh, Angela Lansbury died in her sleep at her L.A. home, actress and singer. I mean, she, from Broadway to the movies, TV, she did everything, won every award you can win. She was 96 years old, born in London, died in L.A. She, of course, Murder, she wrote. Most people remember her back in the 80s and 90s. That was on like 12 years. And in 2013, my brother and I were touring London, and we were at loose ends one night. And we said, well, what the hell's going on? There's always something going on in London. I said, let's go see a play. Hell, we're in London. There's two places to see a play, New York or London. Let's go see a play. So we went down to the Sir John Gilgit Theater, spelled with an R and E at the end, not E-R, you heathens, and uh, went down to the, the John Gilgit Theater, which is nice, old. All, all the old theaters there are beautiful. And the theater district is, is you talk about a live People coming out to the bars and restaurants after it. That is a lively downtown scene if you avoid the stabbings. 
And uh, so uh, we go down there. It's a little theater, not very big. And she's in a, in a play called Blythe Spirit, which has been made into a movie a couple times. And uh, it was a good play. It was a funny play. And she plays, if not a ghost, something about a ghost. She was 87 at the time. And she's doing pratfalls, falling on couches and stuff at 87. She's still doing physical comedy, which is amazing. She died at age 96. She goes, at one point, they said, uh, how are you so old? And she goes, I'm like the tides. I just keep going on and on, in and out. But Angela Lansbury, sad news there. By the way, at the, at the intermission of the play, you, you could either get a drink or a little cup of strawberry ice cream that uh, you, ha- you used the little wooden paddles. Remember in grade school where they gave you the ice cream in the tub with a little wooden paddle? And they're still doing that, over, or they were nine years ago in London. Uh, let's see what else we got here. No, that's it. That. All right, let's go to this date in baseball history. October 12, 1907, at Detroit's Bennett Park, right-hander Mordecai Three-Finger Brown threw a 2 nothing shutout, beat the Tigers to uh, win the world championship for the Cubs. Hmm. Uh, he had lost a, a finger in a farming accident. 1948, the Yankees surprised their fans in a skeptical press when they named Casey Stingle to replace Bucky Harris as the manager. In his previous stints with the National League Braves and Dodgers, the old professor had never finished higher than fifth. Kind of like what they did with Joe Torre, who kind of struggled with the Angels and the Cardinals, uh, did a little success with the Braves. But uh, when he was named, we all laughed when he was named the Yankees manager. What a... Well, we're not laughing now. 1954, although a group comes forward to keep the team in Philadelphia, the American League owners approve the sale of the A's to a Chicago businessman who moves the team to Kansas City the next season. Mm. The last-minute deal to keep the franchise in Philly uh, included Charlie Finley, who will eventually buy the team in Kansas City and move them to Oakland in 1968. Uh, 1958, Willie Bays made his first appearance in New York since the Giants moved to San Francisco. His barnstorming NL All-Stars beat Mickey Mantle's American League All-Stars 6-2. He went 4-5 for five that day at Yankee Stadium. He bested the Mick at a home run hitting contest 2-1 in front of 21,000 fans. October 12, 1963, the last game featuring major leaguers played at the historic polo grounds. The Latin Stars from the NL beat their AL Piers 5-2, the only and first and only Hispanic Major League All-Star game. Future Hall of Famers Luis Aparicio, Orlando Cepeda, Roberto Clemente, and Juan Marichal are on hand to see Vic Power, a native of Puerto Rico, honored as the number one Latin American player at the time. 1972, after clinching the pennant with a win in Game 5 of the ALCS, Blue Moon Odom and Vita Blue, everybody had to have the name Blue in their name at that point if you pitch for the A's, uh, gave new meaning to the term the swing and A's when the starting pitcher and the game's closer began a fight in the clubhouse. A brawl even. Odom, who left after five innings, having allowed a run on two hits, took exception to the universal choke sign made by Vida when the reliever used the gesture to answer his own question, how come you starters can't finish what you began? Wow. Uh, that's Ron Rivera type throw under the bus. Uh, 1986, the Angels ahead 5-4 to four and one strike away. I remember watching this game. One strike away from going to the Fall Classic. See their lead vanish when Dave Henderson, who had Bobby Gritch's fly ball bounce over the fence off the heel of his glove earlier, Dave Henderson hit a two-run homer off Donnie Moore, putting the Red Sox ahead 6-5. to five. California ties it in the bottom of the frame, but Boston wins in the 11th. Dave Henderson again, 
a sack fly, brings in the winning run. And the sad news, Donnie Moore, the former Brave, pretty good reliever, uh, supposedly never got over that and later committed suicide. Very sad ending to that. October 12, 1997, LaVon Hernandez. Oh, my God. Do we really have to relive this day, Braves fans? LaVon Hernandez, a complete game performance in Miami, struck out 15 Braves in the Marlins' 2-1 victory. Game 5, the NLCS. He uh, was also the winner of Game 2. They went on to win the World Series. He's also the MVP of the NLCS. And as we all know, Eric Gregg, the late Eric Gregg, who um, was behind the plate that day and had to be pushing 400 pounds, should not have been there, was a bad umpire, good, pers- good personality, but a bad umpire, was calling balls at least a half a foot outside for LeVon Hernandez. And, of course, a lot of people at the time were going, well, you know, there was no social media, so people were saying later on television and everything that, well, the Braves got what they deserved. They've been getting that outside, you know, bogus strike call for years, Glavin and Smoltz, not Smoltz as much, but Glavin and Maddox, blah, blah, blah. But anybody who watched that game with any fairness in their heart knows that Eric Gregg was either all way off his game that day or something, or, uh, something untoward was happening. Uh, 2021, the Braves came from behind. Here's a better Braves memory. The Braves came from behind one year ago today as Freddie Freeman homered off Josh Hader of the Brewers in the eighth inning to secure a 5-4 win and to advance to the NLCS. That was amazing. Hader hadn't given up a homer all year, I think, to a left-hander. It was amazing. Thanks to Saturday Down South, ESPN, On This Day, NationalPastime.com, and everybody else for helping me out with this lovely podcast. Oh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, that's not it. What am I looking for? Oh, yeah, Twitter. <laughs> Sorry. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, hmm. Not seeing a lot jumping out here. The Marlins have interviewed Joe Espada and Pedro Griffol for their new manager. Some people said they're even going to go look at Freddy Gonzalez again. What? Are you insane? Of course, the new manager down there, he's got to be bilingual. I mean, it's it's a Hispanic neighborhood, mostly Cuban. Uh, Only Major League Baseball could screw up a Major League franchise in Miami where the entire town is in love with baseball. Only MLB could screw that up. Well, no, the NHL could too. I'm Gary Bettman. That, uh, how old is he now? 102? He's like a vampire. Uh, he should have been dressed up like the Count from uh, Sesame Street. I saw him on ESPN yesterday or the day before. It's like, whether well, they will him out and prop him up. I'm Gary Bettman. Uh, I'm responsible for uh, pulling the second team out of uh, the largest market in the South while keeping one in North Carolina. Tampa Bay and Miami. And Nashville, too. What? Think about this. You got a major league team in Nashville. Was it Raleigh, North Carolina? Miami and Tampa Bay. All of them smaller than Atlanta. And you pull not one but two NHL teams out of the Atlanta market. Not because they weren't support them. It's because your incompetence put the worst ownership group in the history of North American sports in charge of them for a decade. And the worst GM, Don Waddell. Holy cow. Oh, what else we got here? Sorry to go on that rant. Uh, my role since I kid. Uh, 
Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs tight end, says that Al Bundy has been my role model since I was a kid. <laughs> uh, married with children, Al Bundy. Mm, what is this? Something going on between uh, Joey Bautista and the... Uh, uh, oh, Joey Bautista supposedly throwing shade on uh, the Blue Jays. Not really. What else we got here? Boy, I'm not seeing a lot here. Not seeing a lot sports-wise. Yeah, all right. Let's just... Uh, what? What is this? What you, what you, no, no, no. That's it. All right, let's go to ESPN and check something out. Uh, see if we got any headlines before I let you go. And let's see. If you haven't already dropped off in this thrilling edge of your seat ending of the show here uh the giants punter is still stuck in london <laughs> i think they have him right next to um who's the WikiLeaks guy they probably got him locked up with him and don't you think maybe it's time for him to get out i don't know i don't know uh nothing else is going on here all right everybody have a good rest of the week see you on friday good lord willing uh, get your t-shirts at farmhouseprintingco.com uh, or go to patreon.com if you'd like to support the show look up holy crap sports and uh, write me pete davis one at yahoo.com and follow me on twitter pete davis one i was so depressed yesterday when the braves lost i don't think i tweeted until last night <laughs> sorry i'll do better unless they lose today which is a 4 p.m game and then i may not tweet for a week no just kidding everybody have a good one and drink up shriners